When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have two things we're going to talk about. Um, we did hear about the Phil Steele All Pac 12 team, preseason All Pac 12 team. A um, couple buffs on there, of course. We're going to talk about what happened there, as well as kind of go back through. We mostly talked about the Athlon Sports team, but now that we have two different sets of all Pac-12 preseason teams. It's going to be kind of fun to compare, I think. Um, also, I want to talk about Jabari Walker. The draft is on Thursday. It's just a few days away. Um, and I went, I spent, it actually takes a lot of time to go through and figure out where exactly um, he fits into the 20 or 30 different mock drafts that have come out. Um, but I feel like there's a trend. And I think that it's a trend that's probably pretty good for Jabari. So that's the plan for today. Start things off talking about the preseason All-Pac-12 teams. Wrap things up by going through where Jabari Walker is probably going to get drafted. And uh, then I'm going to head over to the bar for the Avs game tonight. And I'm very excited about that as well. Um, I don't think there's any other notes for this week. Um, I mean, podcast like normal tomorrow. I'm playing in a, a golf tournament on Wednesday out at Fossil Trace, which I'm pretty excited about. It's the Hope Kids Colorado Charity Golf Classic, uh, which I actually don't know a lot about Hope Kids, but I definitely feel like I'm doing a good thing. But, I mean, that can't be a bad group, right? Um, so uh, there should be a podcast on Wednesday. I have to sub on the Broncos podcast Wednesday as well. If I wind up too busy, because the Avs do play that night also, I might have to do a podcast on Saturday instead. But, oh, Saturday is my cousin's wedding. 
I better get that podcast on Wednesday. I haven't looked ahead to the week at all, if you haven't noticed. Uh, maybe we'll do two Thursday, like one talking about whatever, and then one to react to Jabari and his situation. Who knows? Um, but there we go. Um, I don't think there's any other no- Went to Domino's yesterday. Uh, they have that deal where you can get... It used to be Eight Wings was part of like the five ninety nine mix and match thing back when I was in college, which was incredible. Now it's six, but still, it's like you can get 12 wings for 12 bucks. Had a good time with that. Um, went to the gym. I don't have anything interesting to say, which is really sad because we haven't talked for quite a while. Yeah. Huh, I'm going to think about that. Um, let's uh, Let's jump in. Like I said, Phil Steele put out his preseason all Pac-12 teams. Really what he did was release his magazine, and I was having a tough time. So some of these teams came out, like, last week. Um, Like, I think, like, Cal put theirs out, that sort of stuff. Um, And I couldn't figure out what the other teams were. So, So you have, like, Cal put theirs out, like, Stanford put theirs out. Um, some of the other teams didn't. Colorado's came out today, but the Phil Steele Football Preview Magazine, obviously you buy it every year. I, in my opinion, it's the best. I think it's my favorite. Athlon has some good parts, but I take Phil Steele personally. Um, on the website, it says the magazine is on shelves June 28th. It's like, okay. Double checked, went to like the Barnes and Noble website. It's like, you really can't get this. Like, you really can't get this, even though I know that these are starting to go out. It looked like you could buy the online version for $20, but I was like, if I wind up buying this and it's just a pre-order, I don't really want the online version. I just want the actual physical copy, although those typically do get pretty worn down by the end of the year, so maybe I need to reevaluate. Put it on the iPad maybe? I don't know. I just like the paper one. Um, So I wound up not buying it over the weekend, and then this morning, Colorado put out um, its players on Phil Steele. So they sent out like the some some sort of information to the team saying like, here's who's on here if you want to do it. Um, it's kind of like a reverse press le- press release because usually it'd be like CU sending out a press release, but I guess maybe that still counts. I don't know. Um, point is, we finally got the Phil Steele list today, and we might as well. I, I can stop talking around it. Here's what it says. On the fourth team, fourth team preseason All-Pac-12, Brady Russell. That's the only one. Uh, On the third team, third team preseason All-Pac-12, according to Phil Steele, Jalen Sami and Isaiah Lewis. Second team preseason All-Pac-12, R.J. Sneed. First team, nobody. Um, obviously that's what really stands out the most is that there are no first teamers from Colorado. Um, I can't say that I'm too surprised, right? Because who, who would be, um, it it would have to be, you know, I mean, RJ Sneed could be in that conversation, but you know, he's a second teamer in the, the, the big 12, it would take a step up in his production, right? You would think to get to first team all conference on top of that, you have to remember what he's working with. Um, the quarterbacks, the offense, you know, I think the, the setup of the offense is good for him to get, I can't even say like a lot of targets, a large share of the targets in terms of who is going to get opportunities to catch the ball among the receivers and running backs and tight ends and all those guys just by percentage. It's RJ Sneed. Are the buffs going to run enough plays that that's going to matter? And eh, we'll see. Um, can the quarterback put it on target? Can everybody block? You know, there, there's, 
RJ Sneed is in a position where he's he's reliant on others to do well. And so for that reason, you know, if you if you didn't have him second team all Pac-12, I can't I can't argue with you and saying he's going to be first team, it'd be pretty bold. Um who else could be in that conversation? Honestly, Josh Chandler Semedo. Um and we're we're going to talk about him quite a bit. Might as well dig in now. I'll say this as well. So second team, RJ Sneed. Third team, Jalen Sami, Isaiah Lewis. Fourth team, Brady Russell. The Athlon Sports preseason all-pack 12 teams, which we talked about a week or two ago when they came out, they had second team, Isaiah Lewis. Third team, Sami, Quinn Perry, Cole Becker. Fourth team, Brady Russell, Casey Roddick. So a little more buff love. No R.J. Snead on there, but no Josh chandler Semedo on either one of these teams. And I think that that is, it's interesting, right? Because you have you have two, I mean, maybe the two big preseason all-pack 12. Like, we listen to what those two have to say. And beyond that, there's like the media preseason team. I don't think there's a coach's preseason team. So this is, I mean, these are pretty rare, right? That we get a look like this into what the the conference is going to look like. You know, so you have these two saying Josh Chandler Semedo, not one of the, uh, the not a player who's on any of the four teams. You think there's probably two inside linebackers each. Um and and that means he's not a top eight linebacker in the Pac twelve according to either of these. Meanwhile, you have on three sports saying he's the number five linebacker in the country. So a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, and that's something that is worth digging into, really. Um, again, when Josh chandler Tomato was at West Virginia, first of all, he started 31 games there. He was also honorable mention all Big 12 as a sophomore. He was honorable mention all Big 12 as a senior. And now he's like a redshirt senior, whatever, COVID year senior, whatever you want to call it. So... It's not like an R.J. Sneed where you've seen him be second team before, you know, where it's like, okay, you're second team there, just plug him in second team here, sure, why not? Um, it's a little more complicated than that um, because he was only honorable mention despite, you know, he had 110 tackles last year. And I'm actually not sure. I think they do three teams of, of all Big 12. Maybe it's two, but I think it's three, which would mean if he's honorable mention, maybe he would be fourth team all Big 12 and... I mean, maybe you should be fourth team all Pac-12. I will say, I am surprised they didn't make either of these. I would have guessed that he would be on one of them um, for sure. I think Athlon did put out its honorable mentions, and I do think his name was listed. I might be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Still, you know, that's uh, it's it's intriguing to me that that's how they see him. Um, and honestly, like, what's the answer here? The answer is that he's somewhere in between. You know, he's probably third team or fourth team all Pac-12. He's probably not a top five linebacker in the country. But we'll we'll let things play out because it does look like just about anything is possible given what we've heard about him so far. Um, other notes here. Isaiah Lewis, you know, he was second team from Athlon. Third team we learned today from Phil Steele. I think that's fair. I think, you know, I'd probably lean third team over second team, but... Now, he's one who's not that tough to project. Now, he's somebody who you kind of know what he is. Now, could he kick it up a gear? For sure, for sure. But 
you know, he's a he's a good tackler. He led the team in tackles last year. Part of the reason was, I mean, he just edged out Nate Landman, who only played those first seven games. Um, Quinn Perry's role expanded, and I think Quinn wound up being number three. Um, so he, he might have had a little bit of help in that sort of kind of race to the tackle. But still, your leading tackler from last year, um, you expect him. I think he had 68 tackles. There's no reason he can't put up 68 again this year. Um, on top of that, I think that his coverability, on, uh, you know what? It's going to stay the same. You know, he's, he's, he's good in the slot. He's good in man coverage. He, those little slot receivers, the tight ends, like he's good in coverage against those sorts of guys. And as a strong safety, like that's who he covers. So, so he does that part of his job well. Um, you do wonder if maybe the roles, responsibilities change a little bit. Um, do they take some corners off the field do, 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 it's it's tough to say what this secondary is going to look like exactly but just given that he has that little bit of versatility you know the tackle numbers are there you know he's going to be a good run defender you know that he does well in coverage as well like just a well-rounded football player who should be a third team Pac-12 player um, now if if he goes out there and a couple balls bounces away and he picks off three four five passes well then yeah why can't he be first or second team? But I do think that, you know, he's, he he doesn't have the elite athleticism for the position. Like, he's a solid athlete. He's a good athlete. Um, It's mostly just when you talk about projecting him to the NFL level. It's like, ah, you know, it'd be nice if he's had a little bit more juice. He's a college football player. He's fine. Um, But without that sort of extra gear, that extra speed, you know, you probably do need... To, to have a couple balls bounce your way if you're actually going to be a first-teamer, second-teamer even, maybe. Um, but yeah, Isaiah Lewis, one on second team, one on third team. Sounds about right to me. Um, also, let's see, Jalen Sami on the third team for both. Yeah, I, I think that that is correct. And I just realized I read something wrong. Um, Isaiah Lewis is actually fourth team on the Phil. Phil Steele list. I had written that wrong because he was third team on the other in my notes. Um, but again, maybe second team and fourth team. Again, that's right around the range we're talking about. Um, second and third would feel a lot better. Um, that that does mean though that RJ needs a second teamer. Jalen Sami's a third teamer. Then also Terrence Lang is a fourth teamer. I think I might have been reading from the wrong section um, when I was making these notes. Uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, Sami, third team on both. Again, I mean, he's a good football player. He does his job well. He might not be the most explosive player, but he holds down the middle there. He gets into the backfield on occasion, doesn't get pushed around. Again, I don't think he's going to have the, the numbers to get first or second team. Um, I think even getting the numbers to hold on to third team could be kind of tough for him. Uh, but... In terms of just value on the football field, yeah, you want to put him on the third team, that's that's good with me. Um, Brady Russell, fourth team on both. Uh, yeah. Again, like you're just missing the elite. If, if he was also just fast, if on top of the other things he did well, like, oh, yeah, and also he's fast now, then, yeah, second team, first team, definitely. Like, like that's just what's missing. Um, but he's a good blocker. Um, he's he's a good receiver as well, but when you compare him to a Brant Keithy or some of these other guys that are around the Pac-12, yeah, it's easy to put him at number four on the list. Um, Casey Roddick gets a fourth team nod. That's a tough one. 
Um, I think he has a path to be more of like a maybe maybe even a first team guy, but like on the second team level. It's just that if that group is as bad as it was last year, or even close to it, it's just tough to justify having any piece of that group on on any of these teams. Um, so Casey Roddick being talented, um, but probably on a group that's going to be pretty rough again this year would be your guess. I I think uh, fourth team, yeah, that's fair. We touched on Quinn Perry being second team when we talked about like just the Athlon rankings, but he doesn't make the the Phil Steele team. Yeah, I mean again, like he's one of the many players who could have a very good year. You know, could could he wind up being third team? Absolutely. Could Marvin Ham? Absolutely. Could Alvin Williams? Yeah. There, there's a path for so many of these guys um, that getting him on one of them and not on the other. Sure. Again, like a, a lot of these make sense. Cole Becker being third team on Athlon. It's like, yeah, we know he's talented. We know he missed a bunch of kicks last year. And where does that leave us? Yeah, sure. Throw him on the third, fourth team with a with a real chance. I mean. I wrote this in my story about all this, but I think if if you're betting on somebody to be a first teamer at the end of the year, Cole Becker might be the best bet, just because there's there's a chance he goes out there and is as sharp as we expected him to be last year. Again, he has all the talent in the world. Just go do it. Um, but then when you like look at the others, Isaiah Lewis being first team, you know he needs a lot of bounces to go his way. Probably, you know Jalen Sami, Quinn Perry, Brady Russell, Casey Roddick. R.J. Snead, you know, those are those are tougher paths than I think what Cole Becker has. Um, and finally, Terrence Lang being fourth team on the Phil Steele. Uh, yeah, I... He's another one who's talented. You know, if, if you get 2019 Terrence Lang, then that's probably too low for him. If you get the Terrence Lang we got last year, you know, that's uh, you, you you're probably putting him in about the right spot there. Um, but you know, you look back to when he had thirty tackles, five and a half sacks. It it was really easy to get excited about him um, last year. And again, he still has all the traits. Like he's still incredibly large, incredibly strong, a great athlete for being six seven two eighty five. But you needed to click again this year. You, you just need him to be able to go get the ball, make tackles behind the line of scrimmage. If that's the case, you know, he's another one of those guys where it's like second team, yeah. I mean, he just has to go have another six-sack season, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's all of my notes on the guys who made the teams. Um, I mentioned I think the biggest snub, Josh chandler Um Some other guys have some claims. I think Guy Thomas – Having him on the fourth team, third team would have would have made some sense. Um, but again, we, we saw a half season of really good football from him, and then he was hurt, and we didn't see any more. Um, so was was he helped out by the fact that Carson Wells was on the other side and Nate Lamb was holding down the middle? Probably a little bit. I still think that if you're just looking at you know the names of the guys who got onto these lists, Guy Thomas should probably be one of those guys. Um, Alex Fontenot, uh, I think what helps him is that you don't have Ramon Jefferson here anymore. I think that he is he's your clear number one back, and we don't know whether that means he gets 50% of the carries or 75% of the carries or what, but he is going to have the opportunity 
to, to kind of carry the load offensively. And because of that, could put up some pretty good numbers. And on top of that, you know, he's a good back. He's a veteran, those sorts of things. Um, so could you have seen him getting on the fourth team? Yeah, you could have seen it. I, I personally would not have put him on, though. Um, and maybe more so because of, you know, the offensive line and some of those sorts of things rather than him himself. Um, any other snubs? I'm just trying to think through. Offensive line, I don't think so. Tight end, you already got Brady. Receiver, you got RJ. Um, those running backs. I mean, Jaylee Stacks breaking through as a fullback. I mean, who knows? Like, I don't think you could put him on a preseason list, but you could see how that happened if they even include fullbacks at this point. Defensively, um, Nyam Rodman. I think that with Jalen Sami third team, Terrence Lang fourth team, I think Nyam was probably pretty close behind those guys. I think there's a real chance he winds up being the best defensive lineman CU has this season. And so that's that's why his name comes to mind. Um, mentioned Guy Thomas. Um, you know, Marvin Ham just hasn't proven it. He'll be out there. Um, Nigel Bethel. Nigel Bethel could definitely play his way onto one of these teams. You expect Kalen Moore and Nico Reed to start. I don't think you've seen enough from them to say they should be preseason. Nigel was just so good when that secondary was so good at the beginning of the year that you could, similar to Guy Thomas, just say, like, yeah, that's the guy we expect him to be. And if he's that guy, he's at least a fourth teamer, right? Um, but they don't include him. And, again, I can't fault him too much. I, I don't know that I would have either. Uh, I got to think through, you know, Caillou Blue Kelly, obviously, at cornerback. Getting down to, like, the fourth teamers, it's tough to compare. Um, that safety, you've got... Uh, Trevor Woods, again, just haven't seen enough. Special teamers, you already got Cole Becker there. Could you see Ashton Logan? Not preseason, he hasn't played at all. Um, your, your returners, probably Nico Reed. Uh, again, I just, I doubt that he has, he, he hasn't shown enough to be a preseason All-Pac-12, but I do think he, he could turn himself into a candidate for sure um, for, the, for the real award, the postseason award for All-Pac-12. Um, so there we go. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, no first teamers, RJ Sneed kind of carrying the load for the, the whole offense. Um, you know, other guys are solid. Isaiah Lewis is solid. Brady Russell solid. Jalen Sami solid. Um, so there we go. Real quick, before we get into all of this stuff I put together for Jabari, um, Took me so much longer than I expected. Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, you can still get in if you go to breckbrew.com, sign up, nominate a uh, a star in the community. They might send them to a Stanley Cup final game. Now, obviously, that's contingent on there being another game in Denver, which I'm praying to God that there won't be. As much as it would be cool to be able to like watch them win it in Denver in person, just just get the win. Let's get out of here and and bring the cup back, you know? Um, but if they do come back, they're still picking people to go to these games. Um, you'll, you'll get tickets, obviously you'll get free beers. You get a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, so sign up there and remember that throughout this playoff run, $1 of every avalanche Amber ale that they sell is being given to the community fund Boulder for Marshall fire victims. Um, it's an awesome thing. And also if you buy an avalanche Amber ale, then they score two goals in the first period in the the game that day, you will be able to go to their website, ask for a rebate for your beer. Just send them a picture of the receipt. They'll, they'll pay you back for it. It's a cool promotion there as well. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Um, right now, another another deal, Stanley Cup final deal. If you sign up, bet $5 on either team to win any game of this Stanley Cup final, you'll get $100 in free bets instantly. It's an awesome promotion. It's so much fun to be betting on um, all the different things. I mean, basically every bet hit for the Avalanche in the last game, right? They scored seven goals. Um, but, you know, if you want to bet shots on goal, Nate to get like four shots on goal or all these different things, it's a lot of fun. And you can do same game parlays. So if you say Nate gets a goal, Kale gets a goal, Avs win, that's probably looking at 10 to 1 odds, I would guess, tonight. A lot of fun. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet $5 on either NHL team to win its next game. You will uh, get $100 in free bets, whether you're right or wrong. That's promo code DMVR DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Finally, I've got something new to tell you about. FOCO. So FOCO is a leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. Um, They've teamed up with us, and that means that we can give you 10% off your order from FOCO.com. They've got a whole bunch of awesome stuff. Um, with the newly released Joe Sackick Stanley Cup celebration bobble um, or, or a bunch of different officially licensed Avalanche gear. They've got bobbleheads. They've got like Christmas ornaments. They've got masks. They've got shoes. They've got all sorts of different stuff. So make sure that you get over there, check out what they have to offer. And uh, again, use that code DNVR. You'll get 10% off at foco.com. Uh, get in on that. Okay, into Jabari. And here's how I want to go about this. Um, We've talked about this a little bit. seems like the beginning of June maybe was the last time we we looked through where Jabari was supposed to go. This time we're going to start at about the same place and just work our way forward. Um, Because sometimes I go through, and I think the last compilation of all this stuff I did it was in order of where he was supposed to be drafted. So it's like, oh, the 40th pick. Oh, this one says 44th. This one says 50th. This one says 52, 54, 55, 58, 58, and then just all the undrafted. It's kind of fun to go through these in order and look at how things have changed because I think I mean, it's not the biggest trend, but I do think there's definitely a trend here. Um we're not going to talk about where all these come from. I took the ones that I feel like are the most useful. Um, you know, there are a couple that are from like fan-sided websites and it is what it is, but I just want to get as many as possible. Um, so this mock draft, we'll start with one from May 31st. ESPN, Jonathan Gavoni had him undrafted. June 2nd, Yahoo Sports undrafted. June 3rd, Rookie Wire Last pick, 58th to the Indiana Pacers. Then June 5th, Fantasy Pros. Dead last pick, 58th again to the Pacers. June 6th, 49th to the Sacramento Kings. This is a Sports Illustrated mock. Um, And then June 9th, undrafted. June 15th, 55th pick. That's the Warriors. June 15th again, undrafted. June 16th, uh, undrafted. June 17th, 46th 
to the Pistons. Um, June 19th, undrafted. June 20th, 50th. Another one from June 20th. That's today, undrafted. June 20th again today, 55th. Another one from today, 53rd. Another one, 47th. So it does seem like in this last week or so, he's really heated up. Especially when you go back and look at some of like the 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 earlier ones where he was supposed to get drafted. Like there's the the two early on where he's supposed to be the last pick. Now you've got somewhere it's like 50, 55, 53, 47. So he's moving up in the ones that he's picked in. And you can even look back at like uh you know, Kyle Williams from Fantasy Pros. June fifth had him fifty eighth. Um June seventeenth has him going forty sixth. So even within individual mocks, you see him going up as well. Um, like the rookie wire, had him June 3rd, that's 58th. Um, June 20th, that's 50th. So you do see this kind of consensus that he is moving up draft boards a little bit um, and has for the last couple of weeks. It's a good sign. Um, you still look and, you know, today, I, I guess this was as of three, four hours ago, so maybe some more have come out. But there are five big ones that came out today. Four of the five have him getting drafted. It's 50th, 55th, 53rd, 47th. Um, so, I mean, that the margins are going to be slim for Jabari. And considering that, you know, getting a 50th in there, getting a 47th in there, those are good signs. Those are really good signs for him. Um, I will be curious to see where he falls. Um, you know, this is a much better look than what McKinley Wright had last year. Um, he was getting mocked to get drafted in a couple. This is, I would say, I'd say it's 60-40 he gets drafted right now, whereas for McKinley, who wound up being undrafted going to the Timberwolves, it's probably like 1-4 in four at this point last year, 1-5 in five maybe. Um, so good stuff there for Jabari. Um, in terms of the actual landing spots, it's kind of tough to read anything into them. You know, when you talk about a guy who's, you know, is he going to be the 10th pick? Is he going to be the 14th pick? You can kind of look through and say, like, where do you want him to go? Where, where, first of all, is there a good culture? Where have guys developed in the past? Where is he not blocked from seeing the court? Where does he have good veterans to learn from? Um, you can kind of look through. When we're talking about a guy like Jabari, it's like, okay, is he the 46th pick? 47, 48, 48? There's just so many teams in there that I don't think you can read too much into any trends. Although, we'll say you do see the Warriors in there a couple times. Obviously, that's a very good place to wind up. Um, any Anybody else, I think, is only in there once, except for those early uh, early projections that he would be the dead last pick going to the Pacers. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I haven't really changed much on my thinking about Jabari as an NBA prospect as of right now. Um, he's he's a bit of a tweener. He, you don't, what he's going to be good at is rebounding. And if you play him at the four, then a lot of that rebounding ability, those instincts, they might be kind of covered up by the fact that he's giving up so much size to whoever he's going to be battling with, you know, whoever the other power forward is on the other team. Um, and so that would kind of make him a net neutral as a rebounder. You know, as a shooter, as a three-point shooter, you know, you want him to speed up his stroke a little bit. You know, he's not somebody who's going to get him off quickly, um, but if he's wide open, he'll knock him down. I think that makes him a pretty average three-point shooter 
um, at the NBA level. Because at this point, basically every four can shoot. Um, maybe he's a little bit above average just because you, you think you might be able to speed up that release a little bit. Um, but a little bit above average is probably the the best case scenario. Average to a little bit above average is probably accurate. Um, then in terms of like gaining the paint, like he doesn't have a lot of post moves. You think that he probably gets bodied a little bit. He's not great with the ball, putting the ball on the ground, although you do think as a cutter, um, he, he might be able to provide something, especially against bigger fours. Um, so, oh, and then defensively, again, probably not quick enough to keep up with guards, has some tools, right? Um, needs to work on his body still, and that's the big thing with him. You know, 56th out of 61 NBA combine invites in, uh, invitees, sorry, in body fat percentage. It's like, that's just, you got to clean that up. You know, that 32-inch vertical, for somebody who plays your position the way that you you try to, it'd be nice if that was like a 38. But some of those things just take some time, and you do wonder if once he does get that body into shape, once he does make himself um, a, a good athlete, at least a solid athlete, if not a plus athlete for the position, is what you'd hope for from somebody like Jabari. Um, although, again, just based on the testing, it might be tough to get to a true plus athlete for the position. You you could see how he could become a good defender. You know, he's going to be a good shot blocker, but on the ball is he just going to get bullied by bigger players and kind of run around by smaller guys. So what does he do at the four? That's a big question. You're, you're asking for a lot of development because the things that you look at as strengths, the rebounding, the shooting, the, the cutting, the shot blocking, a lot of those just turn out to be kind of average traits unless he levels up athletically. Um, or speeds up his shot, or those sorts of things. Um, and, and that's why he's not a surefire first-round pick, is because those guys, they have traits where you can say, hey, at least he's going to be able to do this. Or, on the other hand, maybe you're just really good, or, or really solid at everything. You don't have any question marks like you do with Jabari in, in the post. You know, So, the the more intriguing option to me at this point is Jabari at the three. And... This is where I think that you could get a little bit more value out of him. Um, it'd probably be in a situation where you don't need to ask your small forward to to handle the ball all that much. Um, but if you do have a couple of guards who really want the ball, I'm I'm trying to think like right now who is that way. Um, you know, easy. Uh, I guess kind of Stephen Clay, but even then, you look at what Wiggins does because Clay is kind of he's not just a spot up shooter, but it's a lot like that. Um, you know, you look at uh, uh, the old Portland teams with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. It's like they just have the ball in their hands so much that you could get away with that. You know, maybe you look at teams that have um, kind of that uh, like big three type. You know, it sounds like they're going to be changing things up with the Nets, but with the Nets you have Kyrie, you have Kevin Durant. Those guys are going to have the ball so much you don't worry about it. But, but something like that where maybe he can fit into a role – if he could become a good defender, where from the three, like he's going to be a really good rebounder. That's where he will be able to out-rebound whoever he's going up against, and, and that's where he provides value, especially because when you look at the scoring that he does, a lot of it comes in the paint, but it comes in the paint because he's going to get rebounds and is is getting second-chance points. And so if you put him at the three where maybe he's getting more of those offensive boards, that could really unlock him as a scorer. On top of that, you could see him being... Honestly, you could see him being a good cutter 
early on, just if, if he's there mentally, if he's reading things quickly enough, which I guess would take at least a little bit of time you'd expect. Um, but pretty quickly you could see him being a pretty good cutter. And then if you play him at the three, maybe he's getting those rebounds. Um, defensively, if, if he's able to hold his own, be an average defender but a good rebounder, a cutting threat, um, a, a good shooter, then all of a sudden he might have the traits to, to play a role in the NBA. And if if a team sees that in him, then, then there's no reason he can't be the 45th pick, maybe even a little bit higher than that. Um, if, if they think that it's going to be tough for him to develop a game at the three, they, they uh, see kind of the limitations he has playing the four unless, you know, he grows another inch or, or something like that. You could see how he could slide out of the draft. Um, but there's kind of the update, obviously pulling for him. You know, if, if somehow he winds up being a first-round pick, that would go a long way for CU. You know, just having one more guy to say, like, hey, we got him to the league too. You come to Boulder, we get you to the league. Um, so we'll see. Obviously pulling for him. Um, still not sold that it was the right decision to to leave CU and go to the draft, but we'll see if that pays out, uh, at least at first, depending on whether he gets drafted on Thursday. And then, you know, five years down the line, see where he's at and uh, talk about kind of some alternate history there. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. I've got to get over to that bar, go see those avalanche, and I will see you again tomorrow.